listening to Driven Radio Show, your home for car talk covering the latest news to the greatest views on the biggest names in performance, sports, and just plain cool driving machines. Let's rev up the conversation. Time for Driven Radio Show. Hey, all you gearheads and car fiends. Welcome to Driven Radio Show, your weekly automotive happy hour. I am Brett Hatfield here with my co-host and engineer extraordinaire, Mr. Mark Groves. Yellow. We are coming to you from Driven Radio Studios, which means we're hiding out in the basement. <laughs> uh, hey, you were on the car hunt last week. Yeah. Uh, you'd looked at a yellow convertible that was... Yeah, it's like I said, it was, it's not a bad car. When it, you got there, it didn't trip yeah. your trigger. Bingo. Okay. So then I went back looking again. And... and? There's a couple of 356 Plymouths that uh-huh. I'm I'm chatting with at least two people about. You're uh, kind right of now. a sucker for those. I dig them. My first car was at 55 Plymouth, and I've put it up before. And, you know, you told me actually some great advice You when I was kind of like, hey, what do you think of this? What do you think? And you said, Mark, you really need to just narrow your S down. Yeah. You know, get down to a few models that you're like and just look for those. Funnel and, it to what you really like because you were taking a shotgun approach. I was. So now I'm pretty hardcore focused on uh, anywhere like mid-50s to about 1962 uh, Chrysler or Plymouth. You sent and, me pictures of one, the white one, that looked really good. But the more you talk about the stuff the guy was saying, I was like, Ugh. oh, yeah. When uh, I, I actually he sent me pictures on the phone. Super nice guy. And uh, I was looking at those and I'm like, hey, I'm just curious about, you know, how much Bondo is involved in that? Because some of the the bottom of the fenders and the uh, uh, rocker panels. Just had a, we talked about that earlier, a little bit of an organic look to them. Kind of a, oh. um, the the smoothness wasn't as smooth as one. Like it, like a putty knife over mashed yeah, potatoes. Yeah, you know, like the back of my thighs now. Yeah, it uh, it was just kind of oh, wavy. Oh, God. <laughs> and, uh, and so I asked about it and he's like, oh, yeah, it does. But, uh, you know, about 80% of it will, uh, a magnet will stick. Uh, that means 20% of it, it won't. And like you said, that's a fifth. There's little places that he showed, and he was honest about it. He showed some pictures of like rust around, a little bit of rust that's underneath the trim around the back window, which means when you pop that trim up, how yeah, much is there? going to be a lot of rust. And uh, doing it, windows is That's like really saying good. only 20% of the pie I'm going to give you is really shitty. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Only 20% if, will taste you, like crap. Good you, luck finding it. If you it. got that piece of pie and a fifth of it looked like it was you know, crawling with weevils, you probably wouldn't want to eat that. You're not wrong. There, there's a funny, ironic note about this, too, because a little while back, I uh, I still had a bunch of leftover parts. 13 years, I had them in a bin oh, left no. over from that 56 no, you Plymouth. You got rid of them, and now you're looking? Yeah, I sold them all. A guy came up. He had a 56 Plymouth. He was just buying the rocker panels that I had. Uh, new old stock, never been used, oh, obviously. And he was like, uh, I'm just buying them just to have them because I don't know. And I mean, I had like the little rubber pad that goes underneath the uh, battery, all these little extra things that are hard to find. But I had them in a bin for 13 years. And I'm like, F it, dude. He, he asked me, well, how much for all of it? And I so I jacked it up another 25 bucks and went, do it. He got a uh, two barrel uh, carb. That goes on a six cylinder. You know, this uh, is... that was new old stock, et cetera, et cetera. But I'm like, I'm just not going to use them. And now I'm like, ah, oh, shiza. Mm-hmm. That's, That's uh, so this is automotive karma. I'm wanting to know who you did wrong in the past. <laughs> well, it, my big, big mistake was wanting to clean out the garage. My wife was happy, and now I'm all sad. Oh well. <laughs> hey, you haven't pulled the trigger yet, so yeah, it, it's it's There's not still nece- time. It's not necessarily bad. Uh, right after the show last week, 
you found something that I've had the hots for for a really long yeah, time. Yeah, do tell. How did that go? And the guy wanted to trade for something I have right now that I would let go of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it was a 1980 Corvette, bright yellow over a uh, light tan. Yeah, that thing was um, sexy. It only had 58,000 original miles. It was Ooh. an L82. It was in really good shape. Yeah. I liked it. I liked it. <laughs> I liked it I've so wanted one of those since the brochure came out for the 1980. <laughs> Corvettes when I was 11. Oh my God. And when you unfold it, and it's a big poster of a bright yellow 80 Corvette and a, a pretty good looking blonde gal standing next to it. Uh, yeah. And the guy said he was looking to trade for a Harley Fat Boy. Well, Harley Heritages, of which I have one, is very much like a Fat Boy. So I sent him pictures of the Moog Glide and I started trying to talk him into doing this. And when it came down to it, he said, the bike's too nice. What? Meaning what he wanted to do was trade for a fat boy and get a significant chunk of change. And he didn't think I was going to give him a significant chunk uh, of change. And he was right. Yeah, he was not wrong. Uh, he was not incorrect. So <laughs> I did. I got close, but no cigar. However, there are other yellow Corvettes out there. 80 to 82 is my spread. I've never had one of those. I've had a bunch of other third-gen Corvettes. But That's surprising because it's like you've had all of them. Yeah, well, I'm getting around to it. <laughs> all your Corvettes are belong to us. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my Corvette is best Corvette. Uh, so I didn't quite get around to that. But, uh, but. There are always other opportunities, and uh, the world's full of Corvettes and Harleys and stuff like that. Yeah, At least my world places. seems to be. Yeah. You know what? Nobody know who. Uh, that's right. You know who. Our <laughs> special guest this week is muscle car expert, director of company relations, and lead TV commentator for Meekum Auctions, John Kramen. We're glad to have John back. He's here to give us a quick peek at the flurry of activity in the Meekum Auction world. John, welcome back to Driven Radio. Oh, man, I always love coming on with you guys. Uh, you make this too easy. We haven't yeah. talked since June. It seems like it's been a really, really wow. long time. Yeah. Uh, what's new in your world? What's new in the Meekum world? What's going on? Yeah, things are crazy. You know, a lot of momentum as we're kind of at an interesting time uh, uh, with our country, uh, a lot of division. A lot of controversies going on around the world, not just in our country. We know that. But one thing's for sure, those of us that are car folks, we still love, enjoy, and have a tremendous amount of passion for yeah. automobiles. And not only from our past, but also contemporary cars as well. So overall, very pleased to say that things are chugging along just fine. Uh the collector car world seems to be cooling a little bit and that that had to happen. It's been white hot for a long time, but it's not it's not a jump off the cliff cooling. It's gradual. It seems to be a slow correction. I'm I'm wondering how Meekum has done over the summer and early fall since we talked last. Uh, what is still strong? What has cooled off a little bit? And where do you think the market's headed? Yeah, that's obviously a tremendous amount of topic. We're probably will be addressing uh, that question. And I will, we will talk about that here now, but, uh, after the big Kissimmee Florida auction world's largest in early January, yeah. um, that's really going to tell the stories as we move into the end of the new year, two auctions remain this year, uh, Kansas city coming up or I'm sorry, Las Vegas coming up then Kansas city in December. But in the meantime, our 16 auctions, we have, we're having one heck of a year. 
Uh, we're getting good crowds. We're getting good consignments. Uh, we're getting good sales. But here's what we're finding out. And that is, you know, just like you said, we're coming off of really kind of an unprecedented level of prices and excitement and everything else. It seems to have leveled off just a little bit, but prices are still high. Oh, uh, and not and not not every collector car is created equal right now. As we typically see, the sale of a high-profile good car, it attracts other cars that the owner, the consigner, might think that are comparable and similar. Whether or not they are is really up to the bidder. So there's a lot of cars coming onto the market that may or may not be of the quality of the cars that we've sort of reset the bar on. And that's pretty typical in the cycles that those of us, all of us here, have been following collector cars literally our whole lives. And as we observe, we've all been there before. It's all part of it. There's no steals out there. It might be a pretty good time to buy, but you know what? It's always a good time to buy a car that you're passionate about. Always. Well, It adds to the quality of all of our lives. And we've had the conversation uh, before plenty of times that if you're shopping for investments, unless you really, really know what you're doing, it's probably a fool's errand. You're better off buying yep. what you like, what you'll enjoy, what you'll drive. Well said. Couldn't say it better myself. For a long time, the collector car world has been dominated by baby boomers, by uh, people my dad's age. And <gasps> now... The collectors are those collectors are starting to part with some of their special cars. I'm wondering how you've seen the customer base shift, and is Meekum seeing some of the larger collections? Uh, are are larger collections coming to market from older collectors who are phasing out? Absolutely, that is a huge trend that we've seen really been developing over the last three or four years, but really getting ahead of steam as the market is transitioning big time away from the traditional market of baby boomers to a new generation of buyer. And I'm going to say a younger buyer, and I'll define that. Um, not 20-year-olds and not 30-year-olds, although there's a fair amount of those youngsters that uh, uh, start developing an interest in cars and follow it, but just aren't ready to kind of pull the trigger yet. But 50 years old, which puts us right smack dab into the Gen X population. And, and each year that goes by, uh, us baby boomers, um, right smack in the middle of that. I was born 1956. As we age out, guess what? There's a whole new generation of enthusiasts that's coming in behind us. And we're to the point now where still over 50% of our buyers are considered classic baby boomers born uh, 1946 through 1964. But every year it goes a few percentages, that big circle begins to change. And what's funny is the new buyers, they, during their lives, these cars that we love and covet, that we remember as kids, they don't necessarily remember them as kids. They remember them as expensive collector vehicles. Yeah. I call that really more of a legacy buyer versus the older guys like me as a nostalgia buyer. I remember where you could buy, you know, Corvettes and GTOs and Chevelles and Mustangs for $1,000 in the 70s, early 80s in reasonably good shape. But this new generation buyer only knows what they've seen, the high prices, the high demand, the legendary cars. Sure, they're resto-modding some of them, but they're also appreciating originality, especially when it comes to Corvettes and Shelbys and anything that's an ironclad, bonafide, um, what might be considered to be a collector car, whether it be a vintage European exotic or you know a Boss 429 Mustang. They're resto-modding the lesser versions of those and, you know, it's everything, it's transitioning, but it's still so alive and so vibrant. 
you have Las Vegas this weekend. You know, by the time the show posts, you're going to be in the throes of that. Yeah. And then you've got Kansas City at the end of November, beginning of December. And I will catch up with you and David there. You get a break for Christmas. And then right after New Year's, you've got that huge Kissimmee event. Uh, and it starts on the 2nd and it runs through the 14th. Man, that's a <laughs> lot of auction. There are several collections. What are some of the blue chip offerings and the collections coming to Florida? Uh, I, I know that uh, the three that Mark D- Dr. Davis is bringing. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, I, I might have to find a way down to Florida to get a look at this stuff. First of all, Dr. Mark Davis, for, the, for your listeners that aren't familiar with him, is one of the top top three or four Corvette collectors of all time. Absolutely. Uh, he's, he's a retired chiropractor. He it has his first Corvette he bought when he was in his teens, uh, he's been a Corvette enthusiast his whole entire life, and as time has evolved, we've gotten to know him very well. Very proud to say that I'm good friends with him. And Dr. Davis ha- is bringing three of what might be considered, no sales pitch guys, the finest original conditions, three of them, original condition Corvettes on the planet. There's a 62, a 67, and a 69. They are original. They are documented. They are ironclad documented, and they have every show award and accolade possible. We have never seen three finer. You know, original is great, but typically original means distressed. Yes. In this particular case, these cars are have been right from day one. These cars have been coveted. So we we gave it kind of a fancy name. We call it the ultimately preserved Corvette collection. And that is not and that that is not a you know overstating uh the quality of these cars. This auction, over 25 great collections just at this one auction alone. You know, you mentioned the dates now. This auction spans 13 consecutive days our targets 4,000 cars is as of this morning we still got a couple months to go we've got 3,000 consignments already (laughs) in the lineup it is the the collector car world has never ever seen anything there's no company no auction nobody out there uh has ever undertook such a ambitious project and i just gotta say guys it looks like we are gonna pull it off that 4,000 car target, very achievable. Even Mark could find something there he likes. <laughs> I know. I absolutely it's have insane. I mean, doesn't your auctioneer, do you have like, do they trade off? Do they smack and, and tag team out of there? Because that that's just a long, long time to be auctioning vehicles. Oh, they're going to go through. They're gonna, I'm sure you've got several auctioneers who are going to be on your docket. Oh, no doubt about it. We have the best the best collector car auctioneers in the world. Uh, they're on a thirty minute shift, so they're 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 on thirty minutes. Uh, goes to the top of the hour to obviously halfway through the hour, and they get a nice break. They cycle through a couple of auctioneers, and then they come back with a lot of energy and they're revved up to go. And they actually these guys you might find it interesting. They actually keep track of the number of cars that run during that thirty minutes, and they keep track of how many of those cars sold. There's a little bit of a competition between the auctioneers uh. to sell the most cars. Now they're not on a bonus or a commission. People ask that. Not at all. They get paid, you know, a salary amount and that's it. 
but there's a lot of personal pride with the oh, auctioneers. Yeah. After oh, all, yeah. they are the rock stars of the auction. Not us TV guys, not anybody else. It is those auctioneers. And if you don't believe me, just ask any one of them. Well, that's, <laughs> that's got to be a tough gig. Now, now, back to even Mark could find something. You've got the Kevin Surgent. <laughs> Mopar and wing car collection, Mopar, Mark. I did, I and I thumbed through them, by the way, right before we started recording. You've got wow. the Tim Wellborn Muscle Car Museum collection. If you recall, we had him on our sister podcast on uh, Road Muscle Radio. We had wow. Tim Wellborn on before. Uh, and Northwest Shelby collection, uh, Vern would probably enjoy that plenty. Uh, Vern Estes, who used to be my co-host and as a friend of the show, lots of cool stuff. Lots of you know, cool stuff. Yeah, all those all those guys you mentioned. Once again, these are these are the A listers in the collector car world. Uh, Tim Wellborn, the Wellborn Muscle Car Museum down in Alexander City, Alabama, world class facility, and even more so, a world class guy. He's bringing six of high quality Mopars, kind of a nice mix between pristine original and restored cars, some Hemi cars, six pack cars. My favorite of that bunch. And of course, all these cars we're talking about, you can look at it at Meekum.com. Everything's up, even videos on most of these cars. Um, but how about a 1970 AAR Cuda? Ooh. Limelight green, white interior, four speed, 100% original guys down to the tires. Oh my God. Mark might need a little alone yeah. time. <laughs> it I need is to go cry. The, it's the <laughs> finest original condition A Aracuda I've ever seen, and I've seen a bunch of them. And of course, a winged car and and uh just a, a a really, really interesting mix. And a final shout out of a car that you wouldn't think of, but how about a nineteen seventy four Dodge Charger? All right. There you Rarely go. seen. Yep. Uh, you know, most of them didn't survive the test of time. <laughs> 11,000 mile, one owner car prior to Tim getting wow. it, triple wow. white, tons of options, and that's not going to break the bank. That's going to be a really cool, affordable head turner. You want to go to Florida. Dude, you really want to go to Florida? <laughs> My teeth are sweating. <laughs> I haven't had a chance to look at this, but from the name alone, it sounds like something I'd like. What is the split window color colorama collection? Unbelievable. Are you ready for this? Seven colors were available on the split window Corvette in 1963, a landmark car. I mean, if, you know, cars of the sixties decade, is there anything really more iconic no. than a split window Corvette from 1963, one year only? How about a collection of cars with one of every color that was available? Let me see seven? if I can guess them. Uh, All right. Erm Ermine white would be one. Yeah, good. Yeah, River keep going. Riverside red. Yep. Daytona Blue. Yep. Sebring Silver. Yep. Extra cost. The only extra cost color. Or what it was it Silver Pearl or was it Sebring Silver? No, Sebring Silver. You okay. got it right. Uh Fawn Beige. Black. Tuxedo not, Black. Not Fawn Beige. 62 is the last year for that. Was it? Yeah. Okay. How about I, Saddle Tan? How about Saddle Tan? Saddle Tan. That's what I'm thinking. Okay. Yep. Uh Tuxedo Black. Correct. I'm missing number seven. What's number seven? Did you say Riverside Red? I don't. Think I said you Riverside Red. Oh, you did. Okay. Uh, red, white, oh, blue, silver, blue, silver, blue, silver, blue. Okay. Yeah. It's the yeah. light blue metallic. Yep. Pretty color. Wow. All seven. 
all seven, <laughs> one of each, and a variety. Uh, there's a there's a 300 horse in there. There's a couple of 340s. There's a couple of fuelies. It's a really nice mix. But man, what a collection! Just to see that, just to see. I mean, Mark's eyeballing just, me for knowing all the colors. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty yeah, impressive. Like, just off damn, the top dude. of your head, without any practice coaching. Um, yeah, and the, obviously the hits just continue. Another cool car um, uh, is a part of that part of that Wing Mopar collection. Twenty cars, ten Wing Mopars, seven are Superbird. One wow. is it is a Daytona. But how about one of those cars? One of none. Moulin Rouge, not available on a Superbird. But somebody in the past went and they repainted one in a color that was available, one of the high-impact colors that was available in the Mopar lineup in 1970, but not on a Superbird. Somebody did it, and it really works. White top, white interior. Oh, uh, now i got to go look at that thing. Yeah, It's Panther Pink in in Dodge speak. It's Panther Pink. In Plymouth speak, it's Moulin Rouge. That's one I'm going to be keeping my eye on because it is one of none. That's cool. I want to see this thing. So there are also some changes that have happened uh, with Kissimmee this year. Uh, Tell us about what's new and what's changed and what prompted them. Yeah, just really just a couple of tweaks. Number one is the extension going 12 to 13 days. Mm Mm-hmm. But it's actually, there's more to that story. It used to be that the Monday that kind of split the auction in two halves was dedicated to what we call road art, uh, which is anything memorabilia related. Um, Gas pumps and neon signs, posters, banners, die cast, promotional models, everything from A to Z. But because we wanted to focus in on the high dollar cards and because we felt like there might be a demand, we are now running 13 consecutive days. The auction starts on a Tuesday and ends two Sundays later. The auction's <laughs> nonstop. Every day is cars. Oh Never God. did that before at Kissimmee. It's to make more cars available to our bidding audience. And that's probably the biggest major change. Uh, we've tweaked our ticket prices from $25 currently for the remainder of this year, uh, 2023. They just go up $5. Uh, to uh, $30, which, I mean, that's the best That's the best entertainment value on the planet. It gets you <laughs> a ticket inside. We've got seating available. You can look at all the cars. You can, you know, get up close, go into the glass house, visit all the vendors, do everything. For 30 bucks, plan on spending all day there. There are, with 4,000 cars, oh over my. acres and acres of buildings and tents, and the lower-priced cars are just outside on grass. It's It's a... It is a mind-blowing experience that's not expensive to attend for spectators. We love and encourage folks to come on out. No worry about, well, do I have to be a buyer, have to be a seller? Absolutely not. I've been on a tear with Harley stuff of late. We had a conversation beforehand. I'm just horse trading everything, and I'm having a good time doing it. But I've never been to the Mecham Las Vegas motorcycle event in March. Uh Tell me everything about it. Sell me. Give me a reason that I got to (laughs) go. Auctions are one thing. Motorcycles are another thing. Combine the two in Las Vegas in late January, (laughs) and you have the one of the major motorcycle social events of the year. The 33rd annual Vintage and Antique Motorcycle Auction, South Point Hotel Casino. We take over the whole place. It runs January 24th through January 27th. A couple thousand motorcycles. It's the world's biggest. 
oh, and wow. best. The variety of entries is absolutely astonishing. The level of energy there, and if you if you only just like motorcycles, it's worth the trip. If you love motorcycles, it is a must attend. I cannot stress that anymore. We'll have two days on Motor Trend Plus, the Friday and Saturday, with our good friend Paul DeLeon, who is regarded as probably the world's number one expert on vintage and antique motorcycles. Uh, and th- there'll be stuff from late model motorcycles from, you know, Harley and Triumph and Indian and others, BMW, and we'll go all the way back to the early 1900s. So oh. it is, it is a motorcycle show extraordinaire where I hate to say it, but the auction's almost secondary. It is just a high energy fun event at a fantastic ideal venue. Please come out. Okay. Please. You got me. You got me. You yeah, got good. me. <laughs> Whew. I right. breathe now. Uh, <laughs> Mecham Auctions has partnered with the Texas Auto Riders Association, the Terlinga Racing Team, the Shelby Foundation, and the Shelby Foundation for the launch of the Bill Neal Automotive Fine Art Award for high school to students. What is the award? Who is eligible? And what is Mecham's involvement? Well, you know, something that we don't really crow about much, but we're very, very uh, in tune with is encouraging Youngsters, not necessarily to get involved with collector cars from buying and selling standpoint, that's a little ambitious, but also to encourage and do anything that we can to support anybody that might be involved with training and getting our next wave of techs in place. And all of this really started with Tech Force Foundation, which is a major national organization that's providing scholarships and encouragement and advice for any youngster out there that might consider uh, a career in uh, automobile maintenance, which obviously, as all of us guys know, is a huge market with a shortage. And these guys get paid big money. It is a great, great way for a youngster to get involved in a trade that's very satisfying and pays well. So here's what happened. TAWA, Texas Auto Writers Association, along with the Carol Shelby Foundation, introduced to us by our friend Aaron Shelby, who is a businessman that Carol Shelby's uh, grandson with the Bill Neal, who passed away several years ago, one of the top automotive artists of all time to provide money, encouragement, and scholarships. We've all kind of banded together to begin to work together. It's all coming to a head at Mecham Houston in 2024. That will be in April where $1,000 will be awarded to a top uh, automotive student. He's going to get a VIP tour of Mecham Houston. We're going to get a chance to meet and hang out with these youngsters. In the meantime, at almost all of our auctions, we bring in a group of these kids, uh, Tech Force Foundation, as many as a couple hundred kids, and kind of bring them in behind the scenes to let them know just how vibrant and exciting and cool all of these collector cars are in huge volume. So great, great opportunity. It's a win-win-win-win for everybody. And needless to say, we're all very proud to have, you know, to have a part, to have a role in encouraging the future of automotive techs. It is critical. It absolutely is, and I, it, I think it's fantastic that Mecham is involved. We've been speaking Thank with you. muscle car expert, director of company relations, and lead TV commentator for Mecham Auctions, John Craman. John, please take a minute and tell everyone where they can find you online and on social media. 
Yeah, first of all, Mecham Auctions um, is Mecham.com. Now, I want to encourage everybody, if you're not a Mecham InfoNet member, what's called My Mecham, just go to Mecham.com. You just put your email address in, and it unlocks the backside. It's completely free, and it's fantastic. It's got, if nothing else, you're able to go in and pull up very easily um, all of the past results, you can also view our streaming. Now, keep in mind, Mecham will have plenty of television coverage, including 24 hours coming up at Kissimmee live, four days, six hours a day. But if you want to catch 100% of all the action on Mecham.com, you can do it because we stream all the action, gavel-to-gavel action. There's no commentary from myself and my compadres, but you hear the auctioneer, you see the car, you see the bid screen, you see what it sells for, or you see what the high bid was. Everything is completely free. Go to that. I'm very active on social media, especially Twitter. It's at Car Craman, and it's spelled K-R-A-M-A-N. Very active on that. Follow me. I'll follow you right back. And it's all positivity. It's all about cars, motorcycles, airplanes, and guitars. <laughs> and the guitar thing hits here with us, too. So thank That's you for why that. why I said it. John, thanks for being with us. It's a pleasure, as always. And, uh, you know, uh, that's why we love having you on. You come with your bag pack. Well, much appreciated. Really appreciate the support. Really appreciate what you guys do. And, man, I can't wait to see you guys. And that is why I like to have John Craman on the show. He is its so smooth, just smart, knows the stuff, and gets right on it. Well, here's here's the thing, and I'll pull back the curtain a little bit for people who don't know. Uh, I write out the most of the script, most of the questions before we do the show. Yeah, and I will, and I send the questions to our guests so they are not surprised. I don't want to pull a gotcha on anybody. Yeah. That's not fair, and it's not right. But I send the questions to John. He says, everything's great. And that's about all I hear from him. <laughs> and then we get on the air and this is what he's got for us. Nice. <laughs> I don't, I don't have to coach him along. We don't, have, he, when I say he's got his bag packed, he's ready. He's yeah. prepared and it makes for the easiest interview on our end. I know. I just, what I do is I sit and I scroll looking for the, all the cars he's yeah, talking about. Yeah. I checked out that pink Superbird too. I'm watching the interview. You're scrolling and looking at fun stuff. Uh, hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Listening in one ear, watching out the other. Yeah. Well, now I have to go back and look at all the stuff you've been looking at. And, I sent you a link. <laughs> uh, uh, I did kind of like the look on your face when I'm got real close to picking every one of the seven colors. It wasn't a look of surprise, though. <laughs> it was not surprise. It's just like, oh, Jesus, really? Wow. Um, go, buddy, go. Yeah, and I didn't have the Corvette Black Book in front of me. I know this stuff off the top of my head. You write up enough of these and you remember them. The thing was about uh, all the Corvette colors for 1963, and I think for a few years thereafter, they were all named after racetracks. Yeah. Riverside Red, Daytona Blue, Sebring Silver. The only one that wasn't was Ermine White, and it was a carryover color name from the 50s. In fact, on my 60 Corvette, the Cove is Ermine White. So that's where that comes from. I, you know, I, I've read so much Corvette stuff, and some of it stuck. <laughs> so, <laughs> one or two. So there you go. 
thank you so much for spending time with Driven Radio. We love what we do, and we wouldn't be able to do it without the support of our listeners. You can find us online at DrivenRadioShow.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Driven Radio Show, and on LinkedIn as Driven Radio Show Podcast, because some weasel had Driven Radio Show before us. <laughs> Damn your That's, eyes. And, and, and not only that, it's not a car show. What? How is that not a car no. show? Yeah, it's it's about fashion or some other thing. Yeah. Anyway, uh, if you have a story you would like to tell or someone you would like us to interview, contact me at Brett at drivenradioshow.com. And a few of you have done that, and we're getting ready to have awesome. you on the show here in the next few weeks. Really looking forward to that, especially that uh, Myron Vernus and that huge four-volume and an appendix set on all the cool Japanese cars. I can't wait to have him on. And we're going to have Corey back when he does that. Cause Corey was our Japanese car guy. He knows it better than I do. I am Brett Hatfield for Mark L. Groves. Yo. Thank you for listening. And we'll see you next time here on driven radio.